0: Perinatal Stories Australia. Welcome to Perinatal Stories Australia. My name is Rebecca and every episode we provide a listening ear to the lived experiences of mental illness during pregnancy and postpartum. I hope this podcast reduces stigma, informs listeners about support services available and inspires those on their own healing journey. More importantly, I hope you can hear these stories and know you're not alone. Thank you for being here to hold space for the stories we often keep to ourselves. Hi everyone, it's Rebecca here. I'm the host and founder of Perinatal Stories Australia, and I just want to start by saying thank you for being here. Storytelling is a huge feature of my healing journey and it means so much to me to be able to share your stories too. This episode is a little bit different from what future episodes will be, because I'm actually here by myself, and I'll be sharing my own story, or at least what I've been able to make sense of my story so far. It's taken a long time to get to this point, recording my own story has definitely been the biggest hurdle, Um, When it comes to releasing this podcast, I've started and stopped the microphone many times. I've blubbered for 30 minutes straight. (laughs) Um, I've procrastinated and just straight up avoided my own episode. I know I talk about the power of storytelling for our healing, but it's hard, especially as someone who is used to hiding behind my writing. Um, Typing my story out is one thing. It's a different thing to say out loud. And I'm hoping for less tears this time, but I make no promises Thank you for holding space for my story. My journey with perinatal mental illness really began in pregnancy, so that's what I'll focus on in this episode. Before I talk chronologically about my pregnancy, I want to start at a random moment when I was 27 weeks pregnant. I was attending a calm birth class, and at the start, we were all asked by the facilitator what we hoped to achieve from the class. Obviously, I wanted to know everything, but when it was my turn, I responded by saying, I don't want my anxiety to get in the way of my birth. I wanted to be a mother for as long as I can remember. I was never career-oriented, but I knew I wanted to be a mum. And with my history of anxiety and depression, I really didn't want this to interfere with parenting. So I took my mental health seriously. I spent many years in therapy, I focused so much energy on healing and learning because I didn't want to carry this anxiety into parenthood. And more importantly, I didn't want my children to bear this burden. Um, My husband and I decided to try for a baby only when I was in a place where my depression had lifted and where anxiety wasn't controlling my life. Motherhood meant so much to me, and keeping my anxiety at bay became my mission during pregnancy. So I meant when I said in that calm birth class, I didn't want anxiety to get in the way of my pregnancy, my birth, my parenting. Of course that didn't happen, and I'm sharing this because I think... It's important to stress that mental health doesn't discriminate and even though I knew I had anxiety, even though I had experience and knowledge with mental ill health, despite my use of therapy, despite my awareness, my support systems, my best laid plans, mental illness still hit me like a ton of bricks. It's hard to actually put into words how conflicting pregnancy was for me. I remember moments of genuine peace. And Calm and I remember being so in tune with my baby and so in love <laughs> Like I said, I always dreamed of motherhood and pregnancy for me felt like you know that dream coming true But I'm not sure about other people. I don't necessarily trust happiness, and I guess for me happiness comes with anxiety I was fearful that the happiness would be taken away I was convinced something bad was coming for me that the happiness i felt was lulling me into a false sense of security you know the calm before the storm so i fixated on mentally preparing for this so on the one hand pregnancy was the happiest i've ever felt in my life on the other hand i was also the most anxious i've ever felt in my life and there was no real single cause there were just lots of very little moments that compounded constantly until the anxiety was bigger than it had ever been for me. I was definitely in denial about how severe the anxiety was. I thought I was managing it because I thought I was still functioning, but really avoidance was such a huge feature of my pregnancy and so much of my life was being controlled by my anxiety as much as I didn't want to see it or admit it. From the moment I was pregnant right up until birth, I was convinced that something bad would happen to me or my baby. I got pregnant straight away after one month of trying and immediately there was that part of me that thought, oh no, this was too easy, too good to be true. I felt really distant and disconnected from my body and baby during that first trimester. I was really scared to get attached or get my hopes up just in case, I retested three times just to be sure. I sought constant reassurance about everything from everyone and everywhere, always googling symptoms and trying to understand what normal should look like. Um, But the largest source of anxiety for me was health-related. And that doesn't make a lot of sense on paper. Pregnancy was the healthiest I'd ever been, if we're talking physically healthy. (laughs) I took all my supplements, I did pregnancy pilates, pregnancy yoga, aquanatal classes. I did those three to four times a week. My blood tests were always great. On paper everything was good, everything was easy, everything was low risk, but the anxiety was really there from the moment I conceived because, and this is going to sound strange, I don't handle being sick very well. And for me, pregnancy felt like being sick in the sense that my body was changing, every symptom was new, it all just felt very out of my control. So even though I had a very healthy pregnancy, my health anxiety escalated very quickly over seemingly little things it started by being told by my gp that my hcg levels were so low that i could be having a miscarriage or that it could be that i was just very early in my pregnancy obviously it was the fact i was only three weeks pregnant when i took the blood test but my mind immediately latched onto to that worst case scenario at my first ultrasound the sonographer found a fibroid in my uterus um, it was never spoken of again it was just shrugged off but I was so unsettled by this, like, what is it? How did it get there? Why is it there? Was something wrong with me? What will this mean? That same day, I had an ultrasound as well for my breasts, and that's because I have a lump in my right boob, and every year I have ultrasounds to make sure it hasn't grown. You know, I've had it biopsied, it was benign, but I have a very complicated relationship with my boobs and my body in general because of this. And that experience prior to pregnancy came with a lot of fear and uncertainty and trauma and it did take nine months (laughs) to actually get that benign prognosis so unfortunately at my first ultrasound for pudgy i decided to kill two birds with one stone and get my breast ultrasound done on that day too so lo and behold i had about seven new lumps compared to the one i had only the year before And this really took away from that first baby ultrasound. Nothing could be done because I was pregnant, but it really contributed to that disconnectedness (laughs) I felt to my baby. And this is where I really began to feel afraid of my body. I also had blood pressure that was on the high side of normal, and I was having to take half an aspirin tablet every day before bed as a precaution just to prevent early-onset preeclampsia. I then found out I had a retroverted uterus, which is common enough, um... But it it sounded scary and my anxiety took me to Google and I convinced myself I'd need to be hospitalized if my uterus didn't lift out of my pelvis. And for me, the thought of hospitalization was not comforting. I'd never been admitted to hospital before, never had a broken bone, never needed an operation. I think largely my health anxiety, a lot of that comes from the fact that I've had the privilege of being healthy. I've never had to confront the fear of being sick. Again, such little things that were managed. Obviously, my uterus did eventually lift out of my pelvis, but all these little health-related concerns, they just sent my mind spiraling and sent my anxiety higher and really contributed to this dissociation from my pregnancy in that first trimester. It's not to say I wasn't excited, um, far from it. But anxiety was there, and it took away a lot of joy, whether it was health-related or fear about the unknown, the what-ifs, the just-in-cases. So yeah, despite having a very healthy pregnancy, my health anxiety escalated very, very quickly. And I've spent a lot of time this last year looking back, trying to make sense of where this health anxiety came from. My answer has always been that this is just who I am and that I've had this my whole life. Um, But in hindsight, though, I realised that there was a very specific incident that happened when I was about 14. Um, It was the first day of school, and after my first class, I stood up to leave, but all of a sudden I fainted. And I was unconscious for about two minutes. And it seems like nothing. Even now, saying it out loud doesn't feel like I'm doing it justice. But it's only in hindsight, all these years later, 15 years later, that I realised just how significant this event actually was for me. Nothing like this had ever happened before, it would never happen again, you know, it was easily brushed off as, okay, Beck didn't eat breakfast, but this fainting and the two minutes of unconsciousness, this is when I developed panic disorder, this is when it all started. All I could think about was, why did this happen? What does it mean? Would it happen again? And I was very uncomfortable with not knowing. And yeah, that relationship with my body just, it changed. And I was constantly worried that there was potentially something wrong with me. Was it a tumor, a blood clot, a brain hemorrhage? I was on constant alert in case it happened. And then I became obsessed with my body and my health. Anytime I felt, you know, a little bit of pain, there'd be panic. Every time I didn't eat or eat enough, I would be convinced I would faint. I'd constantly analyze every little bump on my body, you know, wondering is it a cyst? Is it a tumor? It was just a lymph node. I remember even convincing myself that some stomach cramping must have been my appendix ready to burst, and each conclusion that I drew in my mind felt so real. I spent a lot of time in sick bay at school, the nurse knew me by name, I was that kid, <laughs> and she'd let me lie down until I felt less anxious, and this was probably every day or every second day at school. Um, of course, I then became scared of the panic attacks themselves. That feeling that you're going to faint, the nausea, the chest pains, the stomach tightness, you know, those very heart attack-y <laughs> symptoms just fueled this fear of my body and of myself. It also made me self-conscious, too. After all of this, I went through years of social anxiety where I couldn't leave the house without panicking because A, I was scared of the world, and B, I was scared I couldn't disguise a panic attack in public, you know, that people would somehow see me going crazy or whatever. So it got to the point where I was experiencing at least two panic attacks a day, at school or at home, for months and probably nearly a year or so. I just felt vulnerable, and I think I felt angry too. I knew something was wrong, two panic attacks a day isn't normal, it's debilitating, and I did seek help, but as a teenager I didn't really understand or connect the dots to the fainting incident. I did schema therapy in my 20s to help with my depression, and it was so helpful. And yet I didn't even bring up the fainting incident then, because I never realised just how much power it had over me. During my pregnancy this obviously came up and it underpinned a lot of my safety behaviors. I was scared to go anywhere without food, constantly convinced I, was, I would faint. I was checking my blood pressure daily and although you know there was the worry about my blood pressure being too high I would actually panic when my blood pressure was on the low side of normal because I thought it would mean I would faint or that high to me was normal so low was a change and any change was scary. I guess it's important to mention here as well that given my history, my anxiety threshold is quite high. Um, In terms of pregnancy, what was moderate to severe anxiety, probably on paper, it, it seemed mild to me because in my head, I wasn't having two panic attacks a day like I did as a kid. I wasn't retreating socially. I wasn't crying uncontrollably when I was alone. And that was the standard by which I measured my anxiety and its impact on me. So in my mind I thought what I was going through was just... it was just mild. Um, But as high as my anxiety was during early pregnancy, I genuinely thought I had it under control. My second trimester was very different, or maybe so I thought. Compared to my first trimester, I wasn't disconnected from my baby. I remember it being Valentine's Day and all of a sudden, you know, we were at the beach and I felt this overwhelming rush of love for my baby, you know, tears in my eyes, you know, a song in my heart. I can't explain it other than that's how it felt like how people describe in books and movies. I felt at peace. I could finally see myself as a mum, and I knew I did love my baby, you know, that fear of what if I don't love my baby was gone at least and there were so many moments like this of just genuine calm and happiness so looking back in hindsight there were lots of signs that things weren't great at all and that my anxiety had changed focus or that I was just finding new ways to control my anxiety convincing myself that it meant my anxiety had gone away I was having panic attacks nearly every couple of days But again, given my history, they didn't seem bad or severe to me. Health anxiety was still there for sure. You know, I was constantly checking and seeking reassurance. I would input data into my pregnancy app several times a day, recording symptoms, checking my blood pressure daily, anything that I could feel, some sense of control. Insomnia started during this time too. I would wake up at around 2 a.m. every night and not be able to return to sleep until maybe 5 a.m.? And this was a pattern that continued right up to the end of my pregnancy. During the time I was awake every night, I would sit up, I would research and Google, trying to understand or problem solve any little problem that was keeping me awake. And I thought if I could just solve just one problem, I'd be able to breathe, I'd be able to sleep. But there was always, always another problem for me to solve. Something as innocent as a baby monitor or even nappy rash cream cost me weeks of sleep and many, many unnecessary tears. I remember debating the pros and cons, reading any and every review I could find, convinced a wrong decision would somehow be life or death for my baby. This decision paralysis and the need for research seeped into every decision relating to the baby and my pregnancy. I constantly asked my husband to make decisions for me because I just couldn't anymore. I was so overwhelmed by information and too scared to take responsibility for a decision in case something bad came from that decision. Um, I knew the anxiety was there. I knew, although I suppose... I was really under the illusion that I was managing it, the delusion (laughs) that I was managing it. Especially because I did feel that love and that peace and that happiness in between the anxiety and panic attacks. I was seeing a psychologist through Gidget House, I was in contact with the obstetric social worker from my birthing hospital, I was taking my supplements, I was exercising three to four times a week. I thought or I convinced myself I was healthy or doing everything right to be physically and mentally healthy. But in reality, the anxiety had just shifted from, you know, that focus on my health to a need for control and a need for knowledge. And I, I guess I deluded myself into thinking that obtaining more knowledge and gaining control over a situation, that control over any uncertainty I felt, that that was the answer to anxiety. And as I'm sure many of us know, that's never the answer to anxiety. And This is what I find so frustrating is that I knew it too. But again, because of my history, I didn't really register how severe the anxiety was and how much I felt the need to control it. It wasn't until my third trimester that I guess I realized just how severe the anxiety was. And the focus shifted to birth and postpartum. And this is when the anxiety became crippling. So prior to my third trimester, I was feeling cautiously optimistic about birth. Let's, let's use those words. I was extremely nervous. I'm not going to pretend otherwise, but I felt empowered through the knowledge I'd obtained at the calm birth class and by the antenatal class run by my hospital. I knew about the stages of labor, the hormones at play, what I'd likely be feeling, the different options for pain management optimal fetal and maternal positioning the skills I researched all of that and I envisioned my birth a lot throughout the second trimester I was aware that it may not go to plan um but I was kind of at peace with that uncertainty as much as I could be (laughs) um I visualized my birth a lot and I imagined a water birth I even picked a hospital specifically that had a bath And even a double-headed shower you know apparently it could provide relief from two angles and that just sounded amazing I envisioned using gas I hired a TENS machine I had a birthing ball a heat pack I packed my robe my my favorite boomerang shaped pillow Um, I planned on using my speaker I you know created three birth playlists um, but like my speaker emits like a dim light which is something i've always found soothing so yeah i guess i felt prepared and able to surrender and trust my body and then i couldn't and there were two really big things that happened when i was 33 weeks pregnant which shifted how i felt about birth and postpartum and both happened on the same weekend so the first thing that happened on the saturday was hearing the story of Gidget herself. So for those who don't know, Gidget Foundation was created in honour of a new mum nicknamed Gidget, who sadly took her own life after hiding her postpartum depression diagnosis. And this was 21 years ago. This story came up during a parenting class I attended. Um, I knew about Gidget Foundation. I was seeing a psychologist through Gidget House. I was the only one in the room who'd even heard about the Foundation. But this story, or maybe I guess the wording of the story, really took me by surprise. Or what took me by surprise was my reaction to it. The midwife running the class used the phrase, Gidget left her baby with her mum to go for a walk, but she walked out the door and never came back. I can't really explain logically um, the feelings that came over me in that moment hearing those words. I knew about the risk of postpartum. I knew about my own risk of postpartum, given my history. But it didn't fully hit me until that moment. And the likelihood of that happening to me now just felt so much more real. And that was terrifying. And for me, those words became a fixation. Everything I then did leading up to birth to try to, you know, quote unquote, manage my anxiety was because I justified my actions by saying, I don't want to walk out the door. And I would say that over and over. I remember giving birth when I was in the hospital and I couldn't sleep. I was sobbing with the social worker and I just kept repeating, I don't want to walk out the door. I don't want to walk out the door. And no one knew what I was saying or what I meant, but those words, they, they took hold of me. I know now it's OCD, but I think for me I associated any low mood, any mental health with those words, with that worst case scenario. The second thing that happened that weekend was on Sunday. We went to visit friends of ours, Um, they'd just had a baby and we finally got to meet her. I was offered the baby to hold and I was feeling pretty chipped with myself. The baby was happy in my arms for a few minutes. And I started to think, okay, maybe, maybe I can do this. But then the baby started crying and immediately I felt this rush of adrenaline or cortisol, this surge of panic. That sound of crying was just so triggering and I was shaking. And this, this panic attack lasted hours. We hadn't even had dinner at this point and I had to hide this panic attack the whole dinner, you know, for hours (laughs) before we could even go home. And I was just trembling in my seat, waiting to go home where I thought I'd feel safe. And I just absolutely berated myself because I thought, God, I couldn't cope with a few minutes of crying without becoming overwhelmed. How the fuck am I going to do this? How am I going to be a mum and cope? So... That worst case scenario, that walking out the door and not coming back, it just felt even more real now. And looking back that weekend really changed the trajectory of my pregnancy because suddenly I became scared of postpartum or my potential postpartum. I knew obviously that I was at risk of mental illness during postpartum, but like I said, I really thought I was on track to manage and cope. But now, my mind was telling me I was vulnerable, that I wasn't going to cope, that I didn't have the skills I thought to get through. Everything just felt out of my control. At the beginning of this episode, I mentioned that a lot of little things compounded until my anxiety became bigger than me and unrecognizable from anything I'd ever experienced before. Something that added to what I was going through already was learning about postpartum psychosis. And if I wasn't scared before, I was completely petrified by this this thing i'd never heard of and the fear of potentially losing my mind so to speak or harming my baby so to feel more in control or to give myself the illusion of control i fixated on trying to learn to plan to research to prepare to make lists thinking i could somehow prevent or at least minimize the severity of whatever postpartum mental illness would arise for me and anything to avoid walking out the door. I created so many checklists, you know, basic everyday functioning things like brush teeth, enjoy a cup of tea, eat breakfast, drink water. I fixated on making sure the pantry and fridge was stocked with food so I wasn't stressing about fainting. (laughs) I created a list of affirmations and I tried to make my husband memorize them. And in my mind, I followed or if I followed a routine and practiced self-care and made lists and tick them off every day, then I would somehow be immune from severe postpartum or anxiety. And while these things are important, they are, they don't stop a mental health crisis and they especially don't stop one that's already in progress. And I think that's so important to just talk about. I was so focused on postpartum that I was really in denial about what I was experiencing during pregnancy. It was so obvious and it was smacking me in the face and yet I couldn't see it or I refused to see it. You know, we talk a lot about postpartum planning, but like in my case, like in so many mothers' cases, what happens when this all begins before we even get to postpartum? This fixation on trying to prepare or control postpartum led me to fixate on my birth. And I guess the easiest way to explain what I was going through in my mind was to prevent anything bad from happening, like trauma, depression, psychosis, or walking out the door. I no longer envisioned birth in a positive way. I no longer had any faith in myself or my ability not to panic during labor. I wasn't comforted by the knowledge I had of birth. Absolutely nothing provided reassurance. And of course, the more I tried to research to gain reassurance, the more complications I learnt about and then became fixated on, and the more uncertain and scared I felt. I assumed everything that could go wrong would go wrong during birth. I felt like I was vulnerable to every worst case scenario. And so the equation in my mind was traumatic birth equals severe postpartum depression and anxiety equals lack of sleep, which equals postpartum psychosis, which equals I could hurt my baby and walk out the door so in order to prevent this i've tried to fixate on making the inverse of the equation real so to prevent walking out the door i have to prevent postpartum psychosis and to prevent postpartum psychosis i have to make sure i get enough sleep and to make sure i get enough sleep i have to prevent postpartum depression and anxiety and this meant that i had to then go back and prevent my birth from being traumatic (laughs) so this obsession and this fear of birth and trying to control every variable is where shit really hit the fan. And this is what caused me to completely derail, really. I developed what I now know is, um, it's called tocophobia. I hope I'm saying that right. It's an extreme fear of birth. Every time I vocalized my fears, you know, it was kind of brushed off as this is normal or just me thinking negatively or catastrophizing. And that's how I talked to myself as well. But the fear, I felt it right down to my core. Spending every day in the lead up to birth was like I felt I was getting one step closer to death. That association in my mind was real. I spent every night, every day when I wasn't in the office and sometimes even in the office crying. Whether it was in the shower, or in bed at night, or in the car, or during my yoga classes. I was just absolutely petrified of birth. My beautiful OB knew I was anxious. I was crying every appointment in her office at this stage. And she mentioned one day that her anxious clients tend to opt for a c-section because it adds some level of control to a situation that is so uncertain but you know, that there was no pressure either way. She was so supportive of me having a vaginal birth. She'd encourage me and tried to reassure me that I was low risk and would likely have a textbook birth. So she presented me with that option. And this I think is the straw that broke my back. This need to decide between a vaginal birth of my dreams or a C-section, or in my mind, it was really between death or death. You know, that, that was paralyzing and I, I couldn't decide. In my head a vaginal birth wasn't the birth of my dreams it meant panicking it meant feeling out of control it meant too much cortisol too much adrenaline you know especially when you're told you need to prioritize endorphins and oxytocin it meant no certainty for how birth would play out it meant trauma to me it meant being rushed to an emergency seek section anyway it meant blood transfusions anything my mind just went to every worst case scenario But a C-section wasn't ideal either, at all. I mean, obviously I liked the sounds of control and certainty, but a C-section is surgery. And that was equally as scary and unknown to me, especially as someone with severe health anxiety with zero experience in a hospital. And all the risks, they became a fixation too. Sepsis, blood clots, hemorrhaging, future pregnancy and birth complications. And then not to mention the potential... You know the the impacts to my baby like you know allergies or immunity issues <laughs> and these all just struck the fear of God into me everything really did feel like life or death so for the last five to six weeks of pregnancy I was I'm gonna say paralyzed I had no confidence in myself to make a decision I, I felt stuck because I was convinced I would make the wrong decision and the consequences of a wrong decision felt like life or death to me and my baby i had no confidence in myself to give birth or to have a c-section it all just felt out of my control and it felt like i was passive you know very passive and that birth was something that would happen to me rather than something i could actively participate in you know i I tried to snap at myself out of it too, I tried to berate myself, I tried to just make a decision back. Um, and you know, it would last for a few seconds, but then I'd just crumble again into this, this pit of despair and fear of uncertainty. I knew it was silly, at the time even, but fear is so powerful and mental illness is even more powerful. I couldn't shower without breaking down in tears. I couldn't hold a conversation about my birth plans without getting tears in my eyes. I couldn't sleep. I couldn't do anything but feel overwhelmed all day every day by this fear that I would be traumatized either way I gave birth. I ended up signing for the elective C-section because I wanted to have it booked just in case I decided it was right for me. But I was not committed to that decision at all, which was definitely part of the problem. I didn't own the decision. I kept changing my mind several times a day, even the morning (laughs) of. I was counting down the days until the C-section, hoping at some point I would gain enough clarity or confidence to be able to commit to a decision. I spent a lot of time bouncing between hoping my body would go into labor before my C-section date so I could just give it a go, because maybe I could do it. Um, But simultaneously I was avoiding anything that might induce labor naturally So like acupuncture or antenatal expressing or drinking You know the raspberry leaf tea. I was really in denial that birth was coming either way I kept packing and repacking my hospital bag putting in a bag of c-section related items and then other times I would swap that bag for one I'd created specifically for a vaginal birth And I just did this over and over and over again. And I wanna make a point here, positive birth stories or only listening to positive birth stories didn't help. I was constantly told I was low risk and constantly told, okay, the percentage of something bad happening is really low. And none of that provided me any comfort whatsoever because listening to those positive stories only felt like listening to what would never be mine it just was unattainable the more I listened to it, the more it reinforced that other people may be lucky, but I'm not going to be as lucky. That what if I'm that small percentage? So yeah, what we need when we're going through this is professional support. Not being told, just listen to the positive, drown out the scary stuff. That's, that's not the cure. With all this happening as well, there was a significant increase intrusive thoughts and I started to really withdraw. I'd come home from work early, usually, to hide my panic attacks and I'd rush straight to the couch where I felt safe. I was constantly imagining harm coming to my baby, whether it was seeing, you know, images of someone stabbing my belly or me getting in a car accident. My radius from the house began to shrink (laughs) Very dramatically. Um, I didn't want to go too far from home just in case. I didn't want to drive which is something that usually gives me so much joy. I even had a small weekend trip planned with one, one of my pregnant friends um, so you know we'd planned to go rest and get massages by the beach um, before our bubs came and at first that was something to really look forward to um, but then the thought of it just caused so so many panic attacks. Um, and this is when COVID lockdown started too. And I know that COVID lockdown wasn't great for a lot of people. For me, it provided a very convenient excuse to cancel all my plans and to stay in the house where I felt safe or where I felt safer. And this was also consuming. And it's why I really struggled to explain why pregnancy felt so conflicting to me because despite all this. I'm going to say terror. I was really holding on to those small, occasional, genuine moments of peace and calm and happiness and connection with my baby. As my pregnancy got further along, those moments decreased. But I kept telling myself things can't be that bad because at least there was those moments of genuine happiness. And I held on to them for dear life. The morning of my C-section, I sat the bathroom you know triple checking my underwear just in case my amnio burst (laughs) might be able to try laboring vaginally I was petrified I cried the whole way to hospital and in the hospital while I was filling out the paperwork everyone was so lovely I was supported by the social worker too she was allowed to come into the surgery um, and yet I felt out of control and everything was just happening so fast between the iv drip the spinal the curtain coming up it was all a lot and my husband and a midwife were helping to hold my hands um but i was having panic attack after panic attack causing my body to jolt which obviously is not ideal mid-surgery and so i guess them trying to hold my hands was also trying to get me to stay still (laughs) everything went well i didn't lose blood well much blood (laughs) surgery was textbook my baby had perfect apgar scores but none of that mattered i was the most anxious i'd ever been in my life lying on that table scared scared for my life scared for my baby's life scared the anesthetic was stopping me from breathing or that i'd bleed out my body was in that room but my mind was trying so hard not to be there trying so hard not to think about what was happening to my body I was so anxious um, I couldn't even think about my son who'd just been born all I did was ask the staff just how much longer will it take I so I could just grip my teeth and close my eyes and wait for it to be over my husband was offered the baby to hold But he was so worried about me and what i was going through so he declined he refused to hold our son because he wanted to stay with me and make sure i was okay so for the first 10 minutes or so of our son's life he was cuddled by a stranger so going back to where i started this episode at the calm birth class hoping that anxiety wouldn't get in the way of my birth i that didn't happen. And I can't explain the pain of anxiety getting in the way, like I feared, despite trying so hard to prevent this. And even more than this, I was so focused on myself and not on my baby that anxiety got in the way of my parenting too. My first role or act as a parent, I'd already failed because I didn't hold him or I couldn't hold him. And to make that pain worse. My anxiety got in the way of my husband's parenting because he didn't want to hold the baby while I was so anxious. And I know my son doesn't remember this. He will never maybe know. Um, But he was alone without his parents for those first ten or so minutes because of my anxiety. And I guess I haven't quite (laughs) forgiven myself for that yet. Yeah, I think now might be a good time to stop. I'll talk about the postpartum stuff next time. As some of you know, postpartum is (laughs) surprisingly when things got even worse. So join me next episode for part two of my story. And thank you for holding space for my pregnancy. Thank you to all our listeners for holding space for today's story. If you like this episode, please leave a review and rating to help me bring you more amazing content. Join the conversation and be featured on the podcast by sharing your story through my website, perinatalstoriesaustralia.com. If these stories are a bit too much to listen to or to read right now, then come back another time. Protecting your mental health is the number one priority. As always, this podcast and its associated blog and social media accounts is not a substitute for therapy or for getting help. No medical advice is provided, only lived experiences. If any of this does resonate though, please reach out to a medical professional. See you next time.